Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sleep Apnea Pathfinders, a weekly podcast for patients, their families, and healthcare providers to share their stories of success and challenges. We are passionate about sleep apnea and its impact on our overall health. Please join your hosts, David and Juanita, as they share their passion on all things sleep apnea. And welcome to episode 11 of Sleep Apnea Pathfinders, where we welcome all of those, regardless of the path you are on. My name is Juanita. And I'm David. During this episode, we'll be talking about sleep apnea from an emotional perspective and discussing the impact to brain health. June is Alzheimer's and Dementia Awareness Month. We chose this topic because untreated sleep apnea is closely connected to brain disorders, closer than many may realize. This episode, We're going to talk about brain stuff like mild cognitive impairment, dementia, Alzheimer's, central sleep apnea. So think of this episode as a way to focus on your brain health earlier in the process as you start your own path to address sleep apnea. Just so you know, the body is pretty miraculous. It is possible to get your brain back if you suffered from untreated sleep apnea. So while there are many things that can harm the brain, a lack of sleep is no exception. Those nights where sleep apnea is fragmenting sleep and causing fluctuating oxygen levels, the result is seen in many organs. And the brain being one of those is affected on a nightly basis. It's commonly known as brain fog. And some of the main features of brain fog are poor tension and concentration. It can also include poor motor functioning. And if those things progress, it can include memory issues, and we won't get into a discussion of the short-term and long-term memory issues, but uh, for folks who are experiencing this, learning new things can be a challenge. So what has helped sleep science make progress in the last decade are discoveries concerning the brain. And scientists have known for many years that the way our bodies rid themselves of toxins are through the lymphatic system. And the discovery of the lymphatic system dates back to the 17th century. The discoveries in the last 10 years regarding the brain and toxins have led to really amazing discoveries that are relevant to the sleep field. So here's what we know. So why are we talking about the brain? Well, the brain is involved in all the functions in our body. In order to explain how we connect the brain to the respiratory process, we need to talk more about the brain and how breathing is connected to the crucial function of how our body rids itself of carbon dioxide. The medulla oblongata is the primary respiratory control center. It sends the signal to the muscles that control breathing. The air fills our lungs and rushes back out. The air contains oxygen and it crosses the lung tissue and enters the bloodstream and travels to organs and tissues. Oxygen is exchanged for carbon dioxide, which is cellular waste material. Carbon dioxide leaves the cells, goes into the bloodstream and travels back into the lungs and leaves the body during exhalation. The brain is reliant on consistent oxygen levels Exposing it to fluctuating oxygen causes significant impact to white and gray matter. One particular study from the journal Sleep published in 2014 showed white matter damage 
for the subjects in the study, which was comprised of people with severe sleep apnea. This was highlighted in a publication by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine in November of 2017, where they discussed this research study and indicated that brain damage from sleep apnea is reversible. That's really interesting information to hear, Juanita. And, you know, early on in my diagnosis in 2006, I was really experiencing the height of my brain fog. And I've talked about it on a previous episode here on the podcast, and it was really disconcerting. It was uh, kind of scary. And for me, I didn't really connect it to potential brain damage, but I can easily see how that lack of oxygen was contributing to a really pronounced uh, issue with how my brain was working and how that impacted me on a daily basis. So, you know, bringing this information into my awareness really helped me to stay motivated to get treated for sleep apnea. And, um, you know, some folks out there may feel pretty disillusioned with their issues regarding brain fog and memory issues, but I think that they should be encouraged. And this episode is really all about encouragement. Uh, The things that that we're going to talk about may sound discouraging, but we're hoping to bring that awareness level up and also encourage people to, to hang in there and, you know, really take this information as something that can motivate you to go forward. And everybody, as we've said in the podcast before, is on their own path. But learning more about how sleep affects the brain is a good thing. So, you know, uh, sleep is uh, essential to the process of ridding our brains of toxins uh, at night. And there are conditions which enhance this process. And the deepest part of our sleep is slow wave sleep or stage three. And this stage is necessary for the uh, optimal clearance of toxins from the brain. And why do our brains even have toxins? Well, our brains are really busy all day processing vast amounts of information. And all of that stimuli coming in during the day keeps those neurons in the brain firing on all cylinders. And as it is with every organ in the body, that converts fuel into energy. So that energy produces waste and that accumulates during our waking hours and it has to be cleared out. And the way that it's cleared out is through our sleep. Now, remember, the lymphatic system dates back to the 17th century and scientists for the longest had numerous thoughts about the waste in our brains. But because they didn't think anything past the blood-brain barrier, they had no idea how any potential waste in the brain rid itself or, or, or how the brain rid itself of the waste. So they had various theories on it, but none, none of the scientists really thought that the brain had any room for a drainage system like the lymphatic system, which was mapped out. And 
really how our toxins are washed away is an amazing scientific find that's relatively recent. Uh, in 2012, researchers found the glymphatic system, which is our brain's drainage system. And um, this drainage system allows the toxins in our brains to be washed out by the cerebral spinal fluid at night. And according to two neuroscientists from the University of Rochester who discovered the glymphatic system and also named it the glymphatic system, it's like a layer of piping that surrounds the brain's existing blood vessels. And the team found glial cells, glial, G-L-I-A-L, glial cells. And it forms a network of conduits around the outside of arteries and veins inside the brain, similar to a way that a canopy of tree branches along a well-wooded street might create sort of a channel above the roadway. Those channels are filled with structures known as water channels or aquaporins, which move cerebral spinal fluid through the brain. The team found that cerebral spinal fluid is pumped into the brain along the channels that surround arteries, then washes through the brain tissues before collecting in channels around veins and draining from the brain. So we have buildup of toxins every day, as I said, and the magic happens when we sleep. The brain toxins are a natural byproduct and they're washed away by that cerebral spinal fluid after our brains shrink in response to electrical stimuli created while we sleep. The amazing detail researchers found out is that people who have fragmented or shortened sleep don't have this process of cerebral spinal fluid washing away toxins. The process requires at least six to seven hours of continuous refreshing sleep. You know, that's a lot of in interesting information. And um, um, it's nice to see that even recently we've discovered its own drainage system. So um, it's pretty miraculous. It is. It sure is. Um, but having said all that, let's talk more about uh, mild cognitive impairment and early Alzheimer's disease and sleep apnea. Mild cognitive impairment, early sleep, early Alzheimer's and sleep apnea. Um, so what happens, sleep apnea may double a person's risk for Alzheimer's disease. A study funded by the National Heart, Blood and Lung Institute of the National Institute of Health found increased levels of beta amyloid in participants with sleep apnea, with severe sleep apnea. According to Dr. Amen from the amenclinics.com, sleeping seven to eight hours a night is taking out the neural trash. While researching information on this topic, Dr. Amen's site shares visual images of the brain. He shares what a healthy brain looks like and the scan of someone with sleep apnea revealed evidence of holes that resemble what, what is seen in people with early Alzheimer's disease. So if you're curious about what this looks like, go to amenclinics.com and look at brain spec scans and you will have visual images of a healthy brain and unhealthy brains. So I'm gonna discuss central sleep apnea and discuss what that is and how it's different from obstructive sleep apnea. Well, sleep apnea is a cessation of respiratory drive resulting in a lack of respiratory movements. 
So during sleep, your breathing is disrupted regularly because of how your brain function. It's like you have OSA, but your brain doesn't tell your muscles to breathe. Therefore, you don't try to breathe. Central sleep apnea is typically associated with severe illnesses, particularly an illness where your lower brainstem, which controls your breathing, is affected. Examples of conditions that can cause central sleep, um, central sleep apnea is brain infection, stroke, conditions of the spine, neck, severe obesity, and medications such as narcotic painkillers. These can all potentially cause central sleep apnea. If someone is diagnosed and they don't fall under that criteria, it would be called idiopathic central sleep apnea, meaning unknown cause. Now, how this is different, as we've talked about in the past, obstructive sleep apnea occurs when the muscles that support the soft tissues in your throat and soft palate temporarily relax. So even when that happens, your brain is still sending the signal to breathe, where during central sleep apnea, it's not. So when these muscles relax, your airway is narrowed or closed and breathing is momentarily cut off with obstructive sleep apnea. So central sleep apnea is a brain is brain related and obstructive sleep apnea is upper airway soft tissue related. I have a question about central sleep apnea. How common do you think central sleep apnea is uh, out in the general population? Well, I still, they are, they're in the minority group, but it's common enough that we see it regularly because it's associated with heart disease as well. Uh, We call that chain stokes respiration. Um, we see that when people, um, have possibly had sleep apnea for decades unknowing, and they end up with multiple comorbidities, meaning they have multiple, um, diagnoses on board. So, um, anyone in the sleep field has, um, helped a patient with sleep apnea, but we're, we do see more obstructive. I'm not really sure how to give it a percentage. Juanita, I've met people who also have central sleep apnea, but their sleep study talks about mixed episodes. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. When that happens, um, that person has both components. So it's an airway component, which is the obstruction because the airflow cannot get in and out, but then they also have the brain component where the, the brain doesn't send the signal. And for our listeners out there, you may or may not know, but sleep positions actually can have multiple board certifications. And there are neurologists who are sleep physicians. There are pulmonologists who are sleep physicians. And there are ear, nose, and throat doctors who are also sleep physicians. So that that might be some uh, good information for folks to consider. And uh, we're not advocating that you see one over the other, just, you know, to make you aware that there are different uh, medical specialties that are also board certified in sleep medicine. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'd like everyone to know that deteriorating brain health for people with untreated sleep apnea doesn't have to lead to worse brain outcomes. There is hope reclaiming your brain by treating the sleep apnea. We do want to caution our listeners that recovery can take some, quite some time, and the key is to remain consistent. 
Each individual has their own circumstances which can hamper this process. However, restorative sleep is a key component. So what kind of treatments have been shown to work? Uh, using CPAP has been shown to support brain health by splinting the airways so that normal breathing takes place. Also, exercise supports brain health by stimulating growth of new connections between cells. This is called neuroplasticity. So during this episode, we talked about fluctuating O2 levels affecting white and gray matter, the study highlighted by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine stating brain damage from sleep apnea is reversible. We talked about slow wave sleep being necessary for the clearance of toxins, the glymphatic system being discovered in 2012, the Amen Clinic brain spec scans, Alzheimer's disease and dementia, and we discussed central sleep apnea. So I hope that by discussing these points, it really helps to bring awareness of how sleep apnea impacts our lives. If you'd like to tell us where you are on your sleep apnea path, please email us at sleepapneapathfinders at gmail.com or message us on our Instagram at sleepapneapathfinders. We'd like to remind everyone listening that information shared in this podcast is for informational purposes only. You should not make any changes to prescribed treatment based on information contained in this podcast. Our next episode, which is our 12th episode, we're going to do a recap of our first 11 episodes. After our 12th episode is complete, we'll resume with season two on September the 13th. So until then, talk to you next week. Bye. This has been an episode of Sleep Apnea Pathfinders. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe. Join us again next week for a new episode.